I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Well, I'm sure some of you have already started taking down your Christmas trees, unplugging your outside Christmas lights, and stashing away all of those lovely Christmas cards. Today is still Christmas. It's really only the fourth day of that season of 12 days that belong to Christmas. Those 12 days are an important part of our church calendar that remind us that the birth of the Son of God is simply way too amazing and important for just one single day. At my house, I do have to admit that we have put away our inflatable Christmas tree and Frosty the Snowman which I'm really kind of sorry to say I'd only put up the day before that we had to take it down. We had to take it down because when that major storm that blew in the winter weather came on Christmas Eve, it nearly blew away the Christmas tree and the Frosty the Snowman inflatables. But aside from that, everything else in our house is still in place and should stay there until at least next Sunday, the Sunday before Twelfth Night. By then, even a good priest is beginning to struggle with holding on to Christmas. But all of that, we'll just have to wait until we get there next Sunday, because today is only the first Sunday of Christmas, and right now I definitely have plenty of that Christmas spirit left to enjoy. And on the first Sunday after Christmas, every year we get one more opportunity to revisit what is arguably the most important piece of Scripture in the entire Bible. And it should be obvious to everyone this year that the church believes that because whether you remember it or not, this is actually the third time in just the past two weeks that we will hear again some portion of the prologue of St. John's Gospel. Deacon Mark gave a really nice sermon on a portion of John chapter 1 back on the third Sunday of Advent. Then I preached on John 1 verses 1 through 14 just a few days ago on Christmas morning. And today, we finally get to hear again the full prologue, verses 1 through 8 of the Gospel of John. And as I said in my sermon on Christmas Day, this beginning to the Gospel of John is so incredibly important during the feast of the Nativity of Jesus Christ because it gives us the full, complete meaning of the Christmas story. If all we had was the story we heard from the Gospel of Luke on Christmas Eve, we'd certainly have a lot to work with. We'd have the proclamation of the angels who were heard on high speaking to the shepherds abiding in their fields by night. We'd have the words they told to Mary and Joseph, which the Blessed Mother, if you remember, treasures and ponders in her heart. And we'd certainly end with the greater meaning that the child who was born that night in a cattle stall, is actually God with us. All of that is essential for our Christmas narrative. How else could we have nativity scenes everywhere if we didn't have that story? But for the church and the world to really get a grip and just understand how incredible and revolutionary and truly awesome it all was on that first Christmas in Bethlehem, we have got to read again the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. It is St. John who goes even deeper than the angels. For John reveals to us that Jesus is nothing less 
than the very word that was first vocalized into sound and vibration out of the mouth of God from the beginning and start of time. That Jesus, the word who speaks God's voice on earth, was in the beginning with God and was God. John, in verse 1, moves us all the way back and interlinks the Jesus story to the very first verses we find in the book of Genesis. The story of creation in Genesis starts out with these very famous and well-known words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And so the Gospel of John seeming to work right into that verse from the book of Genesis, unlike any other gospel we find in the New Testament, moves the story of Jesus all the way back to that very first moment we just heard. Using the same words from the first Hebrew phrase, Bereshith, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And John doesn't finish there in this incredible remembering of the story of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God moves on the formless void with the first word, saying, let there be light. And with God's first word, the Bible says, there was immediately light. And the light was good, and the light separated the darkness. Now, jump back to that prologue we just heard from John this morning. We find this passage, again, seemingly interconnected in verses 3 through 5. John writes, What has come into being was life, and the life was light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Did you catch that? God's first light is nothing less when we read John's prologue than the light of Jesus, the word of God, who is the light of all people from the beginning, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness is finally separated by the light and the darkness cannot overcome it. If you can take in and consider just those first five verses from John's prologue and then go back and reread again the story of the nativity of Jesus from Christmas Eve in Luke chapter 2, then I promise you, you will begin to see it more fully and you will be able to understand how incredibly amazing the birth narrative of Jesus truly is. For in that dark night of the first Christmas, the child who was born to the Blessed Virgin Mary was nothing less than the word that was light and life from the very beginning of creation. Come to walk in the midst of humanity in order to finally separate us totally from that darkness again and relieve the world from the sin and death which darkness brings. I have to say that the more I go over all of this in my mind and heart every year, the more overwhelming the Christmas story truly becomes. For on that first Christmas, if you read St. John's prologue and interact and interconnect it with everything else, there can be no question that creation was beginning again. Creation was reforming and rerouting all from within that cattle stall in Bethlehem. For it is there that John finally reveals in verse 14. 
that the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have all seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And God did this through Jesus coming into the world to do something for all of us, to save us and to reroute creation back to the garden. That is the greatest gift of all that Christmas brings. For we now know that the Christ child born in Bethlehem was and is that word that was in the beginning, the light that first separated the darkness. We know Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh and that Jesus is God incarnate. And because we know this, that kind of truth can begin to set us free from the fear and the worry and the stress of the world. It can set us free because we know the light came to disperse that darkness completely and to make us into what you and I were already made to be in the image of God, nothing less than the children of God, who, as St. John writes, were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but were born of God. I think St. Paul says it even more clear and succinctly this morning in the letter that we heard From the Galatians. Paul writes, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. We have to remember that the law that Jesus redeems us from carried with it the one penalty that we all face because of sin, that penalty of death. For us to serve under the law was to know that that penalty would eventually have to be served by all of us. So the very reason that the first Christmas occurred and that God came down to walk among us in the person of Jesus Christ was to provide us finally with a way to move through the law, to move past the law, to move beyond it. Jesus will show us that himself when he overcomes death and rises again from the grave on that first Easter. But first... Jesus had to put on the flesh that we wear. He had to be born among us. He had to show us how we can live in this flesh and in this world and still become the children of the creator, the children of God who we are. John finishes with this at the end of his great prologue, proclaiming, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law indeed was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. Brothers and sisters, when we have the full story, it begins to change everything for us at Christmas. When we believe this and start allowing it to come into our hearts to restore us as God's children, all of the worries and fears can always be taken up into the joy of Christmas. When we understand that this is what Christmas is really all about, even 12 days is not enough for us to sing out our joy to the world. This is God's greatest gift to us at Christmas. And it is born into those who believe Every single day of the journey 
that we are all making back to be with God. Thanks be to God. Amen.